Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Welcome back to another edition of the Unreasonable Odds Podcast. I'm Steve Buchanan, along with my handsome co-host, Julian Edlow. We are getting ready to talk about the Week 14 board. And then a little talk, a couple special guests on the show. Uh, we have a special guest that we'll, we'll reveal later on. All right, it was a big name, though, in the basketball world. We'll get to that one. But first and foremost, NFL Network, Cynthia Freeland is going to be joining the show. We'll be breaking down uh, two games on the Sunday slate. Let's bring her in and talk about those. Raiders and the Chiefs. I think this is a really interesting game because, you know, people are saying like, you know, the Chiefs are back. Obviously, uh, now they're facing the Raiders who have given them issues in the past, right? Um, I'm curious about this one because for as, even though the Chiefs are getting better, it feels like Patrick Mahomes is still ways away. Like his completion percentage over the past four or five weeks or so, he's he's hardly cracking over 50%. He's been consistently under 60%. This is definitely a team that you can throw against, but the Chiefs are massive favorites this week. And I'm always weary about, you know, looking at the Chiefs and their massive favorites here because that's not been a strong point for them at all. So what do you kind of lean on this one? This is one of the earlier games this week this after uh, on Sunday afternoon. So first off, we know we, we always hear about like Andy Reed coming off a bye. The other thing that's like almost as high probability as Andy Reed coming off a bye is the chiefs getting huge wins at home. If you know what I mean? Cause like that stuff doesn't happen when they're favored by a lot, especially at home, it just doesn't happen for them. I don't, I, I don't know. They just don't win by more than that number. If you, you're figuring out what I'm saying here. So look, ultimately, I think that this is a, it's the number one pressure rate defensive front and they have been all season long the Raiders that is, and they've really, they've been problematic for the chiefs who we've seen second most drops. I feel like that's the biggest media story about the chiefs right now. All the drops, all the drops, but not only they've dropped, they had some weird, like unlucky stuff, like try to recreate that Asante Samuels interception, like go ahead. Like we'll give you 5 billion chances. Good luck. Great. Recreating that. So they've also sat, had some unlucky things happen. So now you're seeing higher probability things happen. Last week, Daryl Williams did like 70 receiving yards, led the team. That was kind of boring to watch, but it was effective. So the point is, is like, I don't know if Patrick Mahomes needs to be like who we expect him to be come January quite yet, right? Like, I think they need to just stay efficient and effective. They need to figure out their O-line was rebuilt this offseason to protect the run. And that it was not necessarily like that deep passing, like Patrick Mahomes, throws on the run, 
so they were like, well, maybe we create a good run, a good run blocking offensive line that we can use the run to set up even more favorable passing situations. It didn't start off working like that, but it has since started to come together. So let the run develop. It, this is not sexy football, Patrick Mahomes throwing like literally, you know, what was he in the Super Bowl? Like he was horizontal throwing the ball. Yes, like, right. Congratulations, <laughs> buddy. Like you're incredible. But like, this is more one of those games where they need to like, do the higher probability things like the defense needs to really just stop those big plays, like just stop them and show us that they have taken the massive step forward that they expect from that Spags defense and then do boring stuff on offense, not sexy mo- moment. I understand. Like, it's not fun for, you know, when you talk about, Oh, what's the sexiest part of football? Like I am naming the opposite of that, but do those things because those get you wins. So, so quick follow up on that. Do you think that, the uh, the offensive line issue is it has been more of the, what's contributing or is the league finally starting to figure him out or is it kind of a combination of both it's both and the other thing is when patrick mahomes first came on the scene he was different he was not like the other quarterbacks right like remember he was coming out of college supply and demand in nfl you only can get what's coming out of college the the athletes coming out of college create what's in the nfl and patrick and andy reed and, you know, Mike Kafka and Eric Bieniemy were first to figure out this, you know, throwing on the run type of thing. We've since seen Josh Allen throws on the run really well, too. Like all of these things are kind of changing, but that's what's coming out of college. So I don't necessarily know that it's it's a little bit of both because people one, there's a lot more film of Patrick Mahomes and people treat it like their Super Bowl because he is that special and he is worth treating it like that. And number two, that's a, a more quarterbacks now have profiles that are a bit more similar to the Patrick Mahomes style right. than they were a few years ago when we had more pocket passers or rushers. You didn't have these guys who were like, well, what's he going to do? Like, you know, you either had like, it, it used to be very hard to go from Tom Brady to Lamar Jackson, right? Well, now you've got like, then you added this like Patrick Mahomes type of style. And it's like, well, what's that? So, but now there's more high, truly hybrid players. So they're, they're just see, defenses are now seeing this more often. And they saw it in college too. I want to ask you about both of these teams that are playing, but maybe a little bit more of their outlook for, for the future. Because I think, I mean, I think most people feel that the Chiefs are going to win this game at, at home. Yeah. Whether it's a blowout or not, right. we'll find out on Sunday. Sure, right, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I love the way that you just put the offensive line. Like, I have – my dad is staying with me this week at my house. Dude knows nothing about football. It's remarkable how <laughs> embarrassing some of his questions are. But he asked me, like, why, why did Patrick Mahomes have this start to the season that he had? And I was like, well, if I had to guess, remember in the Super Bowl how they scored nine points and he was running all over the place? Well, they have a complete new offensive line. He started poorly. They're starting to figure it out. So in your mind, is is this just going steadier and steadier for the Chiefs? Are they going to be uh, are they going to be peaking in terms of Mahomes' protection when we do get to the postseason and they want to be at their best throwing the ball, even though you said they built this to set up the run? I'm going to be honest with you. The next two weeks, we're going to see that because they've got the Raiders this okay. week and then they've got the Chargers on Thursday night football next week. So short turnaround on the road, short turnaround on the road, two defensive fronts that can really bring the heat. Now the Raiders don't back it up as well. Like the, they're good up front, but then they can give up the big play, right? They're it's just a different style, but also, you know, they play each other a lot. So they have familiarity with these teams and these divisional tilts do teach you a lot, right? Like the Denver game was boring, but it, it, it was a harder game than it might've been if it were not two teams that face each other so often. So this kind of like this stretch right here, this is whether or not the, the chiefs are legit or if 
they swung and they missed because, you know, remember they bring in Melvin Ingram, like not that long ago. I don't remember exactly which week, but before the trade deadline and he seemed to make a big difference on their defense too. So are these complementary aspects, are they enough to get you over that hurdle? Cause the, the chiefs had a really punishing schedule and it's not quite done yet. You know, they still got a few, they still got a few yep. banners left. They're not just sitting there like some other teams are skating with like the Jags and the, and the Texans left, you know? Um, and real quick, just tell me who the Raiders are. Because the, old, the team that I cannot figure out the most in the NFL is the Raiders. And they are a team that I fade all the time, whether it be for something season-long related or on a weekly basis. And whatever I think they're going to do, whenever they, I think they're going to zig, they zag. I have no idea what they are. They're 6-6, six and six, which seems perfect. They're 500 at the Chiefs this week, at the Browns the next week, hosting the Broncos at the Colts, hosting the Chargers, tough finish. Like, where does this team wind up? There's no way this team en- ends up over 500. Yeah, no, I, I think that the, so there's interior offensive line will punish you eventually. And they have a crappy uh, interior offensive line and they haven't gotten super punished for it yet. However, now injuries are starting to add up and Drake, like they're, and we've been in and out. Josh Jacobs has been in and out of the lineup and Kenyon Drake, obviously now not in the lineup anymore. So that and is Derek Carr cannot overcome that alone. To me, they're the perfect team to be in Vegas because they are literally high risk, high reward. They're they're yes. a tech stock. They're crypto. They're all any analogy you want to make to something volatile. <laughs> that's what they are because they're good. And like last year, it was perfect. I, I have to double check ahead of this. Like third and fifteen plus, they were the best in the league. Third and under six, the worst in the league. Exactly right. <laughs> Don't Perfect. do the things that are normal. Well, do the things that are really high risk. You're the best at that. Okay. Makes perfect sense, but it also kind of works on their defense too. Either they clobber you up front and just smash you in the mouth and you can't do anything, or they're giving you up the big play. And even though their, their, their pressure schemes could work, they just not right. So to me, they're kind of the perfect team to be in Vegas because they're just so volatile and risky. They're their profile changes kind of a lot, right? Like it looked like completely different team against the Cowboys and then whatever was fielded against Washington, you know, like it's it just totally, you know, the things that works in one don't work in the other. And they don't seem to have any consistency around what gets them back to good once things start going bad. And that's the measure of a good team, right? A good team, once things start going awry, can write the ship and make the necessary adjustments. I don't think this team adjusts very well, but I will say like, I have to give Casey Hayward a little credit there. I mean to the back end of their defense, but when they don't, don't target Casey Hayward, you're fine. (laughs) All right. So finally, I want to wrap up with probably the game that's going to have the most eyes on it this week, the bills at the Buccaneers. You know, we don't have to go into what happened in the Patriots game. It's been talked about more than enough, but I think it's interesting. Go ahead, Julian. What What happened in the Patriots game has so much to do with, like where they are moving forward, but we'll get there. Finish your question. Well, this is, this is why I brought that up because the Patriots obviously annihilated them on the ground, but now they're facing the team that throws 67% of the time on their offensive play calls, which is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That leads the league. They do it the most in the league. How does that, if at all, how do the Buccaneers handle that? Because you can see that you can beat the bills on the ground. We've seen it twice. Now they've given up a ton on the ground, but the Buccaneers just simply don't do that. They're still tough through the air. So do you think that factors into their, um, their strategy going into this game and, and who do you like to win this one? Cause this is going to be a close one. I think. Well, 
unfortunately for, and, and look, I did preseason with the Bills and I, I really yep. enjoyed the Mafia. They were very like a, a lovely group. Like I had so much fun with them. But that what we saw, what I saw in that last game, that's I, like a little more complex than just saying like the, they can be beat on the ground is the disguise in formations with heavy personnel, meaning with the tight end or bringing in an extra offensive lineman, they, they were able to disguise the look such that the bills who, by the way, are still adapting to figuring out what to do without Tredavious white, who is their best defensive player. And now he's gone. And obviously he's a corner, which you would think like in the passing game would be great, but is also recognizing in the run game. Do we keep those? They have great safeties. They had one great corner. Now it's just the good safety. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, are you giving two high looks, single high looks? What are you keeping back? There's the home run stopper because when they didn't do that, you saw the Damian Harris situation happen. So it's really the disguised formations pre-snap that tricked them. And that's where the, you know, the Colts also had a really interesting because heavy sets, multiple, like things that don't look like they're going to be a run or if they could be a pass or they could be play action. That was, they were trying to make sure that Mac Jones wasn't going to hit him with the play action. They, it seemed like what they were playing there was a type of defense that was structured to say, we trust our run game, which maybe they shouldn't have, but you know, whatever, but we're not going to let Mac Jones beat us with play action. We're not going to let Carson Wentz beat us with play action. Well, we're let Jonathan Taylor score 6 million touchdowns and you know, they won't get run over, but it, it just, it felt like there was no, like I said, that adapting thing. They do have kind of some young pieces on their, on their defense. Like, you know, they're two of their pass rushers, Gregory Rousseau and, you know, Carlos Basham, like they're rookies. So there, there are some, there's some older and newer and they've, they've, what are the looks, you know, how are they, how are they making these looks happen for them? So I'm curious to see Tom Brady. That's a bad matchup because ahead of the snap, Tom Brady can move over, you know, that big guy Gronk, like, is he a lineman in this one or is he going to be, you know, actually a tight end? They've got good, heavy personnel looks, even if they aren't runs, right? So I know they don't explicitly run, but it's the pre-snap look that's going to be the trick that the Bills need to solve. And if the Bills want to win this game, they got to figure out second down. Second down, they have been crap. And last year, that's a huge difference. Like their passing situation on second down specifically this year, it feels like defenses know what they're going to do. Maybe they need to mix it up a little bit or make the, maybe I, I, if I were advising them, I would tell them to use pre-snap motion on first and second down. So no one knows what the hell they're doing because they can't get a consistent run. So now they're constantly in second and 10, which is not good for them. So preach, I'm like, yeah. my soapbox now. <laughs> like the way that the NFL works, this is, you know, the bills had the big win against the chiefs earlier in the year. They're the team to beat in the AFC. The perception is that they're a, a very good team. They lose, an, they lose an embarrassing game on Monday night football. This is supposed to be a bounce back spot. But like you said, that like, I think Monday night just crippled them in some ways. The McDermott comments, like, clearly Belichick and the Patriots were in their head a little bit. And now the poor bills who the division supposed to be theirs for the next 10 years after Brady leaves, they have a great year last year. They get embarrassed by Belichick on Monday night football. And now who's up next? Go see Tom Brady in Tampa. Um, They can't get away from Belichick and Brady still, which is kind of hilarious, but here we are. And you think that the bills, they should be able to throw Tampa secondary, not great. The matchup works for the bills there. Um, I just think that that Monday night damaged them kind of long term for the season in in 
my mind, what do you, this is more of a, you know, there's no numbers for this, but like, what does your gut feel on the bills moving forward after what happened Monday night and what you just said is a bad matchup for them that they're getting sent into on Sunday? You know, I will say that the funny part about the bills and the, like those comments actually, I, I kind of took them the other way, meaning like usually, like I had to interview Sean McDermott and he gives you nothing. Like I literally got to the point, it was preseason. I was like, what do you like better? Like, you know, the, the barbecue wing sauce or the spicy barbecue, like it's just crazy. Like, you know, like he gives you nothing. The fact and he that didn't he, answer that question either. Probably he was just like, I like them both. I'm like, God, <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you know, like, at the, at the, and I, but I, but I love that. Cause he's like such a consummate professional, but like, you know, it's, it's the, the hard part there is that like, you know, I think showing a little bit of emotion, like that could actually probably work in their favor because maybe that's like the type of thing where like, cause I, I will tell you, like, they're a very flat organization. Like when you're around them, like the owner down to like the newest PA, like, which is a production assistant, right. In entry level position, they're all hanging out together. They're all very family. They're very open. They have good conversations. They like, you know, they treat people very well. there. like players don't, you don't hear players being like the coaches hate us and whatever they, they do a nice job of like coming together. And the fact that he was like spicy enough to say that publicly, maybe that lit a fire under some of their butts sure. to like, it could have worked the other way. Like, obviously, you know, media, we don't like when you can't let Bill Belichick live in your head. Cause like, good luck. You're he's never getting out. So like we take it one way, but I'm like, well, maybe it's actually going to work the opposite way to like focus these guys in. Cause that really the problem that like the worst loss was the Jags. Like what the heck was that? Right. So that was the type of thing where you're like, Oh, okay. Now we got to like reel it in here because their season isn't over. They've got, they still got another matchup left with the Patriots. That was a weird game for sure. Like this, you know, the, between not just the weather, but also the strategy and game plan. Like, you know, like when you're playing your sibling for too long, like rock, paper, scissors, and they always pick the same one. And they're like, someday they've got to change. Like, I am not going to be the one to put paper when they go scissors, fine. like, you know, that kind of thing. I, I think they were just a little too, you know, overthinking it. So maybe like they can get in a groove, have fun. Like, I don't think Tom Brady and, uh, you know, obviously Todd Bowles are protecting this defense. Like that's not, that's not like a prime matchup to get right, but they still have some favorable matchups left on their calendar to help them out, but it will come down to that game. It's likely going to come down to that next matchup with the Pats for kind of all the marbles for the bills. All right. That was some excellent analysis. Cynthia, thank you so much for coming on um, at C Freeland on Twitter. Make sure to get at her all this type of analysis all the time. Not just on here on NFL network. This girl won't shut up. <laughs> she's great. She's great. And it's everywhere. I NFL network. Get at her on Twitter, wherever you do your social media. She's on there too. She'll break it down for you, but appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks so much. We'll definitely have you on again. We appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime. Thank, Thank you, you, Cynthia. Bye. Nice to meet you. Have a great day. All right. So up next, Julian Edlow went to the DraftKings Sportsbook opening at Foxwoods Resort Casino. I did. And he was with a special guest. Kendrick Perkins joined the show. We're going to get to that when we come back next. What is going on, everybody? Julian Edlow here for the Unreasonable Odds podcast presented by DraftKings, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. And if you are watching us on YouTube rather than listening to us, you see that the man to my left, Kendrick Perkins, NBA analyst, former Boston Celtic, former NBA champion. Um, we are here for the grand opening of the DraftKings Sportsbook at the Foxwoods Resort and Casino. Big Perk, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. You Look, I'm so excited right now. You don't understand this, the gaming 
casino, the bar, restaurants, food. You could tell I put on a retirement 60. It's just good for the soul, man. You don't understand. It's good for the soul. I'm happy to be here. It is good for the soul. And one thing that is good for my soul is betting on sports. And that's what we can do here at the DraftKings Sportsbook. You are going to be placing the ceremonial first bet, the first wager at the grand opening of this casino. Before we went on, you told me your bet. I love your bet because I'm a big Boston Celtics fan. Let's hear what you're going with here. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a Bill Homer mm -hmm. for the right reasons. I know that when you're in the gaming system and you're betting, you can't bet with your heart all the time. So I'm betting with my mind and my heart. And I'm taking the Boston Celtics tonight with the money line for the full game against the Los Angeles Clippers. And I know it's a back-to-back, -back, but it's not your typical back-to-back. -back. They didn't have to travel. They just went straight to their hotel. They're going to be fresh. They're going to be ready to go. And by the way, the, the way that the Clippers have been playing lately, they can't stop a nosebleed, okay? Bounce back spot for the Seas. Yeah. I agree. Down here for the Clippers. I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm with you. Um, all right, so talking about sports betting a little bit more is is – have you bet on any on sports in in the past? Are you you know when you're going through NBA when you're in legal legal states and whatnot? Uh, you know what I have. Um, you know I'm I'm more of an NFL guy okay. than the NBA guy. Um, you know, and I'm more of a first half guy. See, I I, I like to get mine. Out I I've heard you say this yes, before yes, on uh, on Daily Wager. Yeah, so go ahead, explain that to absolutely. us. Absolutely, I'm more of a, for, a first half guy. One is because the line basically some, at some points get cut in half. Mm -hmm. So, and I like to see, especially in the NFL, you know, teams like to strike first. So when I see something that I call a dead boat lock, like you know maybe Tampa Bay playing the Falcons or you know, New England playing anybody the way that they're playing right now. You know, the Patriots are a lock every single week, but I like to get mine out the way fast. I don't want to wait the entire game. You sound like you would be a great first touchdown better yeah. is what you need to get into. <laughs> that is a quick strike right there. Um, all right, let's talk about the NBA season a little bit here. Um, a lot of parity in the NBA right now. Before it was, you know, hey, Golden State's going to win it. Uh, hey, LeBron's going to win it and, and Miami. Now there are a lot of teams that can potentially win the NBA championship. Ever since Kawhi and Toronto stole that one, it's kind of been more open. Um, what are your thoughts on who's going to win the title? Early thoughts, obviously, in the NBA so far this season. Well, you know what? The NBA is back to a great place, right? Where it's, it's equal throughout. The Eastern Conference is, is strong again. The Western Conference has always been strong. But when you look at teams like you know, go the Warriors, when you look at teams like the Utah Jazz, even the Phoenix Suns, the Milwaukee Bucks, it's up for grabs. And I always say this, you don't win championships in December or January. You win championships in June. So as being a former champion, a guy that has been through those, those battles, you want to be playing your best basketball in April and May, right? And so when I look at teams that are constructed for the long haul, I really don't have a favorite. <laughs> I really don't. I really don't because I love it. But but because I'm looking at it, I'm like, you know what? And I'm not being a homie. If the Celtics could get their act together, if Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum could play well together at the same time, I think they have a fighting chance. I mean, it'd be tough to get through Milwaukee. I think they could beat the Brooklyn Nets, especially without Kyrie Irving. I, I, should I be saying his name around this area? You can say his name. Um, I don't. I mean, I'm a Celtics season ticket holder. I don't. I don't love the guy. No, but. I know. I know. I know how y'all feel about him. But 
Um, you know, it's just, it, this is the fun part about the NBA is that people were ready to crown the Lakers early, you know, because they have potentially six Hall of future Hall of Famers. And you, as you can see, nobody is scared of nobody. So I'm just looking forward to see who is playing the best basketball in April. All right, you mentioned the Warriors. The Warriors seem to be back, and they don't even have Klay Thompson on the floor yet. He's going to be on the floor. Number two pick of last year's draft, James Wiseman, not even on the floor yet. He's going to be on the floor. Uh, I want to talk MVP with you for a minute because Steph is, I don't want to say carrying that team, but he's doing a lot right now. He is the odds-on odds, odds on favorite to win the MVP award right now. Um, is that where, if, I, if I'm saying here's a free bet for you, you got to bet MVP, is it Steph Curry or are you going elsewhere? I'm going with Steph Curry. I'm going with Steph Curry, but it, it's not a dead boat lock. Okay, because he do have a lot of other players that's on his heels like a pair of socks. You got Kevin Durant, who's leading the league in scoring. Brooklyn is at the top of the Eastern Conference. No Kyrie Irving, and he's still carrying their team on both ends of the floor. But what Steph is doing right now, to say that he's arguably having his best career, his best season of his career, I would have to take that bet. I would have to take it. I'm not calling it a dead And that says, somebody, that says somebody that has already won a unanimous MVP with yeah, the vote. Yeah, yeah, but listen to me, Jay. Look, I'm not saying I'm not saying that I love it. I like it. See, a dead boat lock for me is something that I love. But I will say, I will say right now he's the front runner. All right. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about my favorite team of all time while I have you here, that being the 2008 Boston Celtics, um, you bring in Kevin Garnett, changes the whole culture of, of the team. We were just talking about the MVP award. In my personal opinion, the biggest MVP snub of all time that I've ever seen is Kevin Garnett in 08. From what he brought in, you were there before. I, that season before was ugly. I watched all the games. What he brought in in terms of culture, um, talk to me about that because Kevin Garnett, and conveniently enough, somehow that was Kobe's only MVP year mm -hmm. in 08. That award was Kevin Garnett's. Uh, tell me why I am right. You are right. And, and here's the thing about the MVP, right? Every single year, it seemed like the, the narrative changed or they moved the goalposts on why this guy's the MVP and this guy didn't win the MVP. I always go back and look at the Steve Nash and Phoenix situation. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he, he was averaging around 16 points and 11 assists, but because they won 60-plus games, because they had the best record in the league, he won the MVP. Well, you go back to what Kevin Garnett bought. I mean, he was a 20-10 and 10 guy and five assists, defensive player of the year. And I, I just felt like what he did on both ends of the floor, you know, his numbers probably wasn't better than Kobe's for scoring-wise, but I felt like his impact, on winning and what he meant because to me an MVP is you take this guy off this team and what would this team be so I mean I think that pretty much answered your question I'm not being a homer because Kevin Garnett is a brother of mine and I'm not being a homer because you're sitting up here being one of my new favorite best friends I'm just keeping it real I could not agree with you more biggest MVP <laughs> snub that I have ever seen um, all right I want to you know, I'm taking this as a personal time for me because I have somebody of the 08 Celtics with me, my favorite team of all time. Tell me something about that championship team that I don't know. I know a lot about this team. I watched all the games. I've seen all the interviews. Tell me something that I don't know about the 2008 Celtics. You know what? I'm going to take you outside, of, outside the basketball court. Our plane rides were epic. They were a movie. 
Uh, I heard about the arm wrestling. Yeah, the arm wrestling, but did you hear about, like, you know, the big boom box that we bought on, blasting the music? You know, did you hear about the card games? Did you hear about, so you know, at one point we had, like, it was an opportunity for season ticket holders to fly on road trips with us. And, okay. so, and so Doc Rivers and Wick Grospeck and Danny Ainge, they had to prep the season ticket holders and say, you know what, look, this plane ride is going to be experienced at some wild. Yeah, it's going to be really wild. Y'all have wow. to understand that guys are going to be on here. You know, they may take their shirts off because it's, it's, it get heated on here. It's going to okay. be a lot of, you know, rap music. It's going to be a lot of things that probably make you feel uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, they are great guys, okay? But we just had to warn them. All right, fair enough. Um, 08 Boston Celtics, one of the one of the first wagers that I placed. I was in I was in college. I was very poor. Twenty five dollars on the 08 Celtics to win it all. I knew that you guys were going to come through for me. So Did I thank you, you very much. At the for right that. time, like was the, like, what Bef was the before the season. Well, this was a, this was a long time ago. So legal, le you had to be only one place was was legal. So I had to get it there. Okay, so, cool. Yeah. But I mean, you guys came through for me. Here's all right. One more about Kevin Garnett. This is my last Celtics nerd question. Kevin Garnett doesn't hurt his knee. You win three straight championships. I'm 100% convinced. And if you don't hurt your knee, you probably win that game seven in LA. You're absolutely right. Because one thing we both know, and these are facts, is that when our starting five was healthy, we never lost the playoffs. The there you go. There you go. There you go. Heard it a million times. Yeah. A lot of times from you too. <laughs> and you go keep it. You go continue to hear it from. We will continue to hear it from Kendrick Perkins. Um, Perk, thank you so much for joining us on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Thank you so much for being here at the grand opening of the DraftKings Sportsbook here at Foxwoods Resort Casino. Um, we're going to have a pretty fun day here, I think, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. It's only right. It's only right. All right. Uh, go Celtics. Hopefully they beat the Clippers tonight. <laughs> and Perk starts 1-0 here at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, Perk, thanks so much for joining us here on Unreasonable Odds. All right, thank you to uh, Kendrick Perkins for joining me at the grand opening of the uh, DraftKings Sportsbook over at Foxwoods. Um, thank you to me for conducting an amazing interview, and uh, thanks to Steve for staying home and doing nothing. Um, <laughs> not that you're there. So, um, all right, let's get back to uh, to NFL though. After a little bit of NBA talk there, although Perk did say he loves betting the NFL. Mm. Um, Let's look at Thursday night football first. I know it's kind of a gross game. Steelers at Vikings. Uh, Vikings are three or three and a half point favorites. We're moving around a little. Yeah, minus three. three, minus 125 as we record. Three point home favorites. Um, I don't know. The Steelers beat the Ravens last week. The Vikings lost to the Lions last week. They're at home. I'll buy low. If you told me here's $100, you have to bet this game. I'll buy low on the Vikings and bet them, but I'm not betting this game. Yeah, this is a this is a pretty ugly game. I feel like we say this during all the primetime games because that's just how the, the scheduling has been gone. You know, the shocking thing is here, here is that, you know, how the Dalvin scheduling has been gone. Yeah, it's been it's been terrible. But the uh, the shocking thing here is that, it, you know, it's looking like Dalvin Cook's going to play in this game which is fine because, you know, I, I cannot imagine they're giving him a normal workload, especially when Alexander Madison, when he's been handling the normal workload, he's been great. Like he's probably one of the best handcuffs in the NFL when it comes to, you know, your, your top guy goes down. Well, you now have Alexander Madison come in and he almost performs just as well as Dalvin right. Cook. So I do actually like in terms of props though, 
that if Dalvin Cook is in this game, I'm probably taking the under on, on almost everything. I cannot imagine that he's going to be out there for more than maybe a handful of snaps. And when he is out there, is he going to be more than a decoy at this point? Because, you know, obviously then the, the defense is focusing on Cook. That can open up something for Justin Jefferson downfield. That's been the guy that they go to. No Adam Thielen in this game too as well. So there's something to take a look at as well. But, you know, when it comes to betting something in this game, I mean, I'll, I'll end up having something because football's on. So I got to have something on it. I mean, mm. you got to be watching it anyways. That's just the type of person we are, people we are. Um, but I'm probably going to end up taking the the unders on Dalvin Cook's props when those end up coming out, unless there's something egregious, like you know, if, if they're next to nothing. But I would I would imagine that if he's active, you're going to see a fairly normal line for him. So I'm gonna, I'd be too, I'd be more inclined to take the under on on his props for this for tonight. Um, all right, so I happen to think that uh, the Steelers will be draped all over Justin Jefferson, whose receiving prop is set at 92 and a half. He's coming off. 11 receptions, 14 on 14 targets, um, had a big game against the Lions. Um, but I'm not taking unders on him. I just want to focus on somewhere else to, to, to bet props with a lot of focus on Jefferson and no feeling like you mentioned. So KJ Osborne is a guy, his receiving props set at 41 and a half. I think he's kind of intriguing. I'm more intrigued by Tyler Conklin, the tight end, 39 and a half. He caught five sure. of seven targets last week. Good matchup against the Steelers. Um, so that's kind of where I'm looking. But if we go to the touchdown scores, Tyler Conklin is plus 225 anytime. Um, I don't mind that at all. I, th- I think he probably gets in there. And, and the Pittsburgh's run defense is pretty decent, potentially keeps whatever combination of running backs we do see for Minnesota um, out of there. Look for the tight end in, in the red zone. Tyler Conklin, anytime touchdown, plus 225 feels like pretty good odds to me. All right, let's switch to games that we actually do like. We're going to take a look at the Sunday board. Uh, Obviously, we talked to Cynthia about a couple of good games this week with the Raiders and Chiefs and then the Bills and Buccaneers. I just want to bring up, because I talked about this on Tuesday, and and it switched rather dramatically. Bengals, once upon a time, were favorites against the 49ers. Now it has switched. They are two-point home underdogs against the 49ers. Uh, getting up to some interesting uh, teaser territory there for the Bengals now. Uh, getting you can get them at plus eight at this point, but I, I, I'm still going to ride or die with them this week. I, I what I saw from the 49ers last week was just so incredibly bad. Now I know they might be getting Debo Samuel back this week. That's obviously a big piece there, but Bengals have been a good team on the ground. They, they they've been using Samuel on the ground. They just got to stop him through the air. Other than that, though, and George Kittle, like there's really nothing that feels imposing for this Bengals team in a, in a bounce back spot, you know, against crumbling against the chargers last week, you know, and, and I brought it up to you last week. They almost retook the lead after being down 24, nothing. They came back and scored 23 unanswered points, but then they just kind of fell apart at the end there against the chargers who've been, you know, kind of like the Raiders. You can't figure out this chargers team at all. I think I know who the Bengals are. And I think they should win this game outright against the 49ers. Now you can get them at plus 105 on the money line if you want to do that. Obviously, minus 110 with the points plus two. But I'm I'm still going with the Bengals. That 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 movement doesn't sway me here. Yeah, this is the the Julian Edlow loser bowl. My two bets on Sunday were Bengals and Niners, both lost. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. I'm not going to bet this one. A matchup of my losers from last week. Well, someone um, will win this time. Huh? Someone will win this time. Someone is going to win this time. That's the good news. Um, the bad news is I don't know who it's going to be. So I'm not going to bet the game yeah. 
it is interesting getting the Bengals as home dogs, but I think that that sharp money that obviously came in on the 49ers is telling. Uh, they're also in a bounce back spot after that gross game against Seattle. So I'm, I'm out on this one. The only thing I've bet on Sunday still remains what I gave out on Tuesday's podcast. I bet the Browns is a pick them. I gave him out on the podcast, gave him out on Twitter as minus 140 money line, minus 130 money line favorites. They're now minus three, even money, minus 145 money line. Um, laying two and a half is about the most I would do. Minus 140, minus two and a half is about as far as I would go. I think we'll see those numbers again. It's bouncing around a little bit, but I love the spot for the Browns. Your last game was two weeks ago. You lost 16 to 10 to the Ravens who have lost since then to Pittsburgh at home, gotten dinged up specifically losing, um, yet another corner. They're now down their top two corners for the rest of the year. They're dinged up. Lamar Jackson's not playing well. Baltimore's focus was on another game while the Browns focus was just to go home and take two weeks to prepare for a bounce back revenge home game against a divisional opponent. It's all there for the Browns. The only thing is when you say you're betting the Browns, people tell you the Browns stink. I'm betting a spot and I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to it. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you know, if this gets up to three and a half, I think I'd have to side with the Ravens at this point, right? Like uh, it's trending that way, potentially that we could get three and a half, maybe by Sunday. Uh, This game's just moving a lot. And at three and a half at at three, three and a half, it's just no bet for me. It's got to be two and a half or lower for me to play. I just, uh, there's too much moving in this game for two teams that have, you know, kind of stunk lately. (laughs) You know, like that's, that's, that's the worry for me. That's the worry for me. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of you for, for making a stand on, on on a gross game like this, but week 14, I guess could be, could be described as gross overall. Right. Cause like, there's nothing really that jumps out. You're like, Oh, totally. Got to take this one other than, you know, for me, I'm, I'm still okay with taking the bucks. It's at up to three and a half bounced it around between three and three and a half here, but even, so it's even money three and a half. So you can get like the three minus one twenty at this stage. Yep. I would still do. Yep. So that's the game I was going to go to next. I was going to say it's Browns for me. If I bet anything else Sunday, anything in the late window, it's going to be Tampa. This is supposed to be where Buffalo bounces back, but it's a game we just talked about with Cynthia in the first block of the show. Um, she told us why the matchup favors Tampa. Um, and I also think this could just be, I know you're supposed to bounce back after a loss. I think this could be a hangover spot off of the loss with how embarrassing it was to the Patriots. And that now you go on the road on a short week and you go from Belichick to Brady, which again, I just think is hilarious that the bills are supposed to be these AFC favorites. And here we are late in the season. They're going to get their butts kicked by Brady and Belichick again to be a fringe wildcard team (laughs) after going to the AFC championship game uh, uh, a year ago. Um, I, I think Tampa's, I think Tampa's going to show up in this game. I'm very close to betting Tampa, which means I probably won't have the strength to stay away from it by the time this game kicks off in, you know, over 72 hours from the time we're talking about it right now. And here's the interesting thing too. If the bills do end up losing this game, the dolphins are on a bye. The dolphins are right there. Yeah. They're right there. And who do they have in week 15? The Jets at home. That's the talking about the Dolphins. And the Bills have the Panthers. So there's 
probably most likely going to be winning that game against the Panthers, but you know, just, just something to think about. Just something to think so, about. Really quick. Um, because the, the Browns are the bet. I'm going to give out my NFL best bets article. I want to try and give um, more bills under 10 and a half wins oh. is minus 120 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Mm. If they lose to the to the uh, Bucks and Patriots, you cash it. Yep. If they lose one of those games and go finish four and one, you lose it. They have to finish four and one to lose. The Bills aren't an eight hundred team. Yep. Now they host the Panthers, host the Falcons, host the Jets in the three other games. Yep. They'll be favored in all of those by a wide margin and should win them. But let's say if they do happen to split with the Bucks and Patriots, which are both road games, they still could slip up one of those. This team lost to the Jaguars. There's still hope to slip up. Right. I think that the Bills under 10 and a half is a really good bet. And the other one is the, the Ravens plus money on the Ravens under 10 and a half. Now they're an eight win team. Currently. Yeah, I was going to say yep. go two and three to win, which is more difficult. But I've told you what I think about the Browns game this weekend. Yep. I think they lose on the road. Listen to the rest of the schedule. Host Packers at Bengals, host Rams, host Steelers. Yikes. They're all coin flip games at best for the Ravens, but probably underdogs in all of them. But the Steelers, maybe a closer point spread against the Bengals, even though it's on the road. I think they're going, I think they're going two and three at best. Yeah. Um, and going under 10 and a half. And just real quick, too, back to the Bills. Uh, they're nine and a half point favorites against the Panthers next week. Dolphins are seven point favorites against the Jets. That's what's the uh, that's what the lines are currently over on DraftKings Sportsbook. That Ravens game, they're two point underdogs at home against the Packers. So those are the um, the early looks at those ones right now over on DraftKings yeah. Sportsbook. You can check those out. You know, obviously, um, you know, we talk about getting, you know, trying to get the best line value. Sometimes this is the time to do that, too. Um, you can take a look at some of those lines that are upcoming for this week. Anything else you want to touch on? I think there's a college football play you want to give up before we wrap up here. Basketball. Basketball. Thursday night, hardwood. What is going on? Why was Purdue minus 12 against Rutgers? Rutgers they should be minus 20 against Rutgers. But I'm not betting the spread because it feels a little trappy. Purdue scores – like 93, 94 points per game. Um, they have scored over 75 and a half, over 76 and a half points in every game they've played this season. Their team total at Rutgers is 70. I bet it at 75 and a half. It looks like it's since moved up to 76 and a half. Over. Rutgers just gave up 86 to Illinois. They're a slow-paced team. That's why this number is where it is. They gave up 86 to Illinois. They gave up 85 to UMass. And you're telling me, that Purdue, the best offensive team in the country by every metric, is not going to get to there. If they cash this bet at 76 points, it would be their season low and they would cash their team total over tonight. Give me the first half over, over 36 and a half. Give me the full game over 75 and a half for Purdue team total. 76 and a half is fine if you didn't get the Twitter play earlier. Um, Purdue's going to win this game 88 to 64. Okay. There you go. (laughs) 
Why, why did you do that? Why did I do what? Why did you give an actual score? Is that necessary? Because if it's right, I can brag about it. <laughs> what are the chances of being right? I got, an, I got an idea. You can bet exact scores, can't you? Put it in. No, I'm probably not going to do that, but I am <laughs> going to bet over 75 and a half team total for Purdue. That's okay. happening. 7, 7 p.m. Eastern tip. Uh, so hopefully you're listening to us early when this gets turned around. And uh, yeah, I love that bet in college basketball tonight. There you go. Wrap it. We're done. Oh, he's got to take a drink first. I have to wrap? Yes. Yeah, I already went on the I went on the road yesterday to do an interview for the show, making me do all the heavy lifting. Um, thank you You're to the our host. guest, Cynthia Freeland. Thank you to our guest, Cynthia Freeland, before I was so rudely interrupted, uh, from NFL Network. Give her the follow on Twitter. Give us the follow on Twitter at SBCannon24, at Julian Edlow, and of course, at Unreasonable Odd, because as we keep telling you every week, we are going to have some Christmas gifts for the loyal listeners of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Um, so stay tuned to find out what those are. Good luck with your week. What is it? 14 plays. Mm. Um, you'll be flushed with cash from Purdue team total over to do as you please with. And um, we will talk to you guys next week on Tuesday. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.